You know, I'm going to start this way. I, I, I'm looking at 2021 as a rebuilding year, right? Does that make sense? Like, I, I, coming out of 2020, I, I think we need a rebuilding year. And uh, coaches get rebuilding years, right? You get a new coach who comes in and takes over a new team, and everybody says, you know, this next year is just going to be a, a rebuilding year. And sometimes in business, we just kind of have a, a retooling or reinventing, all, all kinds of things. So wonder if we said spiritually that 2021 just, just really might be a rebuilding year, that God would really do some new things in our heart and life, and we get a chance for some do-overs. There's a, a chance to kind of reset and do some things differently than we've ever done before. And so one of the things that uh, I think is super important as we're studying through Proverbs, Proverbs just touches on just so many real issues in life, from parenting, from our language, from our money, to our morality, to dealing with our pride, and all kinds of these just super practical things that we deal with in life. And so, so today we're going to look at another topic that just throughout the book of Proverbs, it's this issue of just uh, friendships and the role that friendships play uh, in, in our life. And so today I want us to talk about rebuilding friendships. If 2021, if you would say it's going to be a year of, of really rebuilding, then let's, let's think about rebuilding some friendships. And, and, and what I mean by that is not so much uh, just looking at broken relationships and, and rebuilding those, although that's super important and, and that's a part of it, but really establishing maybe some new, healthier friendships that we've probably not had in our life. And so we're going to talk about that today uh, for just a few minutes. We're going to look at a lot of passages in Proverbs, and, and, and I hope, I hope, uh, this can really make a difference uh, in your life. Now, here's number one. Here's the first thing I think we see from Scripture as it relates to rebuilding uh, friendships. Number one, we have to focus on quality and not quantity. We are a culture, and I think that's very much driven by social media, that it is really sort of quantity of friendships. How many, how many Facebook friends uh, do, do you have? I know Nick boasts over 5,000. I ask him, how many of those will help you move? That's how many friends you have, right? That, that's how you know. I mean, you know, not, 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 not how many Facebook friends you have. In fact, Burger King, years ago, you may, may remember this, several years ago, uh, Burger King had this ad campaign for, for the Whopper, and it was called the Whopper Sacrifice. Any of you remember that? And you would download an app, and if you were willing to delete 10 of your friends, then you, you got a free Whopper. The problem was when you deleted one of your Facebook friends, uh, they got that link. In other words, it, it said, you know, Brady Cooper has just deleted Dakota Logan for a free Whopper, <laughs> right? So that's like, it's like, wow. I mean, that just kind of tells you where you stand, like the, a Whopper is more important than, than our friendship. Now, the problem was Burger King had to stop doing it because it was so successful. They were giving away so many Whoppers that they just had to, had to cut it out. And so my sense is in the culture, we, we sort of gravitate to sort of quantity of friends as opposed to really quality of friends. But if we're going to rebuild friendships, I think we have to think about really quality. In fact, look at Proverbs 17, 7, 17, 17. It'll be the first passage of many in the book of Proverbs that we're going to look at today. A friend loves at all times. See, that, that, that's the difference between a, a, a true friend that we're going to see today, a quality friend, and, and just acquaintance. We might have a lot of acquaintances. You know, that, that, that's me. That's kind of the story of my life, if I'm honest with you. I have a lot of acquaintances. I probably have very few true friends. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born in a time of adversity. 
right? You see, these true friends are, are, are really molded and shaped in the, in, the, in the difficult times. Look at Proverbs 18.24, another important passage. This is really good. A man of many companions, that's like many acquaintances. If you, if you value just quantity of friendships, listen to, the, listen to what this passage says. A man of many companions may come to ruin. In other words, it really says ruin is imminent, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In other words, if all you do is value sort of a number of associations, if you don't have some close quality friends, then, then the promise of Proverbs is quite clear that ruin is coming your way right? But then that, that last part says, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And you will see that phrase throughout the book of Proverbs. And it's really alluding ultimately to the closeness and the intimacy we can have in the ultimate friend of Jesus, which we'll, we'll talk about today. But, but that passage, there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That passage makes me think a lot about uh, raising boys. And I have loved raising my boys. When I say mine, they're Amy and I's together. We just go back and forth on whose they are, just depending on their behavior. But anyways, I have I have loved I have loved raising raising our boys. We have had such a good time with them, and we have, we have not done everything perfect. I I think I've tried to be honest with you about that, but we we have loved that. And one of the things that I love about my boys, and this is uh, I sort of hesitate to share this because it's probably not good preacher stuff to say. My my boys, uh, Jackie, you, you you raise boys. Boys, they go at each other, right? I mean, from they just go at each other. All of their lives, they've moved out of the house, but they just, all their lives, they go at each other. But here's the thing I've noticed through the years. If somebody comes at one of them, oh, my goodness, it is on like you've never, I, I, have, I mean, they will, they will just, I mean, go to bat for each other. And, 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 and I, I'm not advocating violence, please, but it, at some point, it feels good to sit back and say, they do love each other. Right, I mean the, the closeness there. I never will forget. This is uh, thinking about ice this morning. We were uh, years ago. We were in Knoxville with some friends. They were little, you know. They were little, and um, we were there. There was an outdoor ice skating rink downtown Knoxville. It was right after Christmas. We were hanging out with some friends, and um, all of a sudden there is just this eruption over by this ice skating rink, and it's a, you know, it's a it's a melee, and I'm going over there to be curious. Like this seems intriguing. Until I realize who's at the center of it, and it, 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 it is my youngest son, and he's engaged with an older kid, and it's, it's, it's on. And I pull him off, and, and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And he said, well, that guy did something inappropriate to me. I'm not going to tell you what he did, did you know, was a, with a finger or something, you know, he's, you know to his brother. And he, he gra- clotheslines him as he's coming around the, the ice skating rink, and there they go at each other. I'm like, man. So I had to talk to him about we, we don't do that. But then as, as Amy and I stepped step back, we said, wow, man, you, you don't mess with one of them. They love each other, you know, in a, in a powerful way. But so that passage, you're saying, thanks for that journey, Pastor Brady. That was like, wow, super helpful for me this morning. But when the Scripture says there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother, you think about the love that brothers have for each other, that the Lord Jesus loves us even more than that. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that encouraging? And he's called our friend. I love that. And so we're talking about today, the first thing, we're going to rebuild friendships. Let's think about having more quality friendships as opposed to just thinking about the quantity of friendships. And uh, Dr. Thomas Constable said this, the significance of friends is found in their quality, not in quantity. That's just what we're saying today. And here's here's the difference. A faithful friend is is really more committed to you than the friendship. See, a lot of people are committed to friendship. 
And what do I mean by that? But what that can do for them. Very few people are committed to you as a friend, right? And what, what does that mean? Really being an encouragement, sharing truth uh, with you. You know, one of the things that I'd love, I was thinking about this message, I would love for us to reestablish here at New Vision. We used to talk about this uh, years ago a whole lot. And some of you might remember, we, we used to talk about refrigerator friends a lot around here. Do you guys remember that? That's, that's like back in the day. If you're, you're just kind of a long-time New Vision person, do you like remember that? And so who are refrigerator friends? Well, a refrigerator friend is somebody who comes into your house and they just go to the refrigerator and get what they want. They don't even ask you right? And that's, that's, that's the kind of friends, that's a quality friend. Like acquaintances don't do that. Like you'd be mad if they did, right? But you know, where this came true for me, I saw this, uh, Amy and I, when we moved back to Murfreesboro almost 20 years ago, and I moved right across the street from one of my high school buddies. He was a guy that we grew up together and, and just had spent so much time together. And we, he had kids the same age as my kids. And we lived on a cul-de-sac, and our kids were growing up, and they were playing together. And those were some of the, the coolest times. And so I'm just reacquainted with this good buddy. And he would come over in the afternoon after he got off work, and we'd sit on the front porch. And he'd just, he would just walk into my house, and he'd just go straight to the refrigerator and just get something to drink and just get a snack and then come sit out on the porch. He never asked. And I was like, you know, I thought about that and I thought, that's cool. That, I, I like that. Like, he just feels comfortable enough, either that or he's really tight and his wife doesn't have any good food. But, but, but that wasn't the case. He just felt totally comfortable, you know. And so I started measuring how many refrigerator friends do I have like that. So I'd ask you that question. I'm watching online. Think about it, right? You're pretty close to your refrigerator right now if you're watching online. How many people like that do you have? How many people are so comfortable with you and you with them? If you're at their house or they're at your house, they just walk right into the refrigerator. So who are my refrigerator friends? Because I think we need that. Number two, if we're going to rebuild friendships, we have to think more about quality than quantity. Number two, this is super important, we have to be willing to be one before you look for one. Right? I I spent, again, I, I spent a ton of my life working with middle schoolers and high schoolers and this was always a, a talk, a go-to talk for me, right? Because, you know, it was always hearing, well, I just don't have any friends. Nobody likes me. I don't have any friends. And so a lot of times we struggle with having friends. And here's what I would always say, according to Scripture, is that you've got to be a friend, right, uh, before you're going to have some friends. That's an important thing. You've got to show yourself friendly. And you, where do you get that? Well, listen to what the Bible says. This is a great verse, Proverbs 18, 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. Or I learned it must show himself friendly. But there is a friend, again, who sticks closer than a brother. There's that phrase again. It, it, it's almost like Solomon is wanting us to get that, right? And, and he says there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You can only risk being a friend when you know and are connected intimately with the ultimate friend, Jesus. Is that, is that, does that make sense? I can put myself out there. I can risk putting myself out there because it, it takes some risk in friendship, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it absolutely does. Uh, but I, I can only risk that when I, I really know Christ in an intimate way, you see? But, but I've got, if I want to rebuild friendships, and I see this with adults so much today. You know, adults, I hear a lot of people say, well, I just, I, I just, just we, we, we've moved here. We don't know anybody, and I just, I need someone to, to encourage me, disciple me, help me, or I'm looking for some friends, but we're having a hard time finding friends. Well, here's the thing. 
Here's the thing. The first thing we have to do is, is to be a friend, to show ourselves friendly. That's what, we, that's what we're responsible to. That's what the Scripture says. And so thinking about this, I need to be a friend to someone else, that, that, be that kind of friend to someone else that, that, that you'd want for yourself. That's really what the, the Scripture says. But let's even talk about that because I'm thinking about how, how can I be a, a better friend? I want to be a better friend because I'm thinking about this is a rebuilding year. You guys with me? Rebuilding year. I want to rebuild great friendships. So here's one of the things that's really an enemy to friendships. Jealousy is an enemy to friendship. Does that make sense? Like when something great happens to somebody that you know, like a promotion, a new house, their kid gets a killer scholarship, what else? You begin to think, you know what, why didn't that happen to me? And so we, we have some, some jealousy. Jealousy is a cancer to friendships. And so if I want to rebuild friendships, one of the things I have to be willing to do is I have to die to jealousy. Listen to what the Scripture says, Job chapter 5, verse 2. Resentment kills a fool. And envy slays the simple. Right? Does that make sense? That that if you live in jealousy and resentment, it's just foolish and it's damaging to you, and it's going to really limit the kind of friendships, the quality friendships that you need to have that are going to make a marked difference uh, in your life. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 15. I look at this verse all the time. It's a great measuring stick. Like it really tells me how am I, do, how am I doing with, with, with jealousy as it relates to friendships? Because that's one of the one of the things that really destroys relationships. Would you agree with that? Right? Uh, if you're here this morning and, and you're still with me, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. You're watching online. Would you agree with that? I don't know if you did or didn't. I, can, I have no way of knowing that, but I'm just asking. Romans 12, 15 says to rejoice with those who rejoice. Really celebrate, practice that. Celebrating with other people when they're celebrating. Don't immediately come back and think, well, why didn't that happen to me? Or good stuff like that never happens to me or woe is me. That's very self-centered, isn't it? It's very self-centered. It is so foreign to the gospel, right? The Lord Jesus lives inside of you. He knows what you need. And so we have the ability to just celebrate, rejoice with those who rejoice, and mourn with those who mourn. That's what it means to be a great friend, to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. We need to listen more, right? You know, and watch, watch this. So many times when we're talking to folks, we're just waiting for them to take a breath so we can tell what we want to say. Is that true? Like, I got a story. Like, and I need to tell you my story, and I need you to be quiet so you could listen to my story, which is cooler than your story, right? Because my kids are awesome, and you need to know that, right? Nobody's laughing because that's really true, you see? So if we're, if we're going to be the kind of friend, we have to listen more, ask questions about what people are. It will, it will rock people back on their heels if you ask a follow-up question about something that they're talking about related to their kids because they're not used to that. That's why they talk so fast. They know that you're wanting to talk about what's going on in your life. But being a great friend means to be a great listener. Amy and I were talking about this this yesterday morning, and she corrected me. We were talking about Job and the story of Job, and, and Job has friends who come and see him. And, and I, was saying, I was saying, well, they, they weren't great friends uh, because they just came and basically told Job the reason you're suffering is because of your sin. If you've studied the book of Job, that's what they're, they're saying. But she said, well, that, that's not completely true. And I'm like, whoa now, whoa, I'm a preacher. I got to do this professionally. Okay, so I don't need you kind of telling me. I said, oh, really? I, I know, I, I, don't, I don't remember that. And she says, no. She said, the Scripture says for seven days they just sat and listened, day and night. You ever thought about that? Like, I miss that. Like, I, I miss that. I got to be honest, I miss that. That's a lot, isn't it? I mean, I mean that's a lot. That's a pretty good friend. I want to be a friend like that. It's just willing to, to listen. So if I want to have great friends, I've got to grow, grow as a friend. So I've got to listen more. I've got to be willing to invest time. That's the, that's the most precious commodity in our culture today. Are you with me? Time. 
It's just so precious. But if you want to have great friends, and we're going to see why that's so important, it's going to take some investment of your time. It really is. If, if you're if you're going to grow in that, right? But some of you are saying, now watch this. Some of you are saying, it's, you know, good message for some people. I'm sure somebody needs to hear this. I'm not a guy who needs a lot of friends, or I'm not somebody who really. I'm not. I'm not a gal who needs friends. I'm not needy like that, so I don't. I don't need friends. Well, can I tell you something that is rock solid truth? You're made for friendships. You're made for friendships, and you say, well, I don't really need friends. Well, you're not like God. Wow, what? Because God has always existed. Here's one of the mysteries of the nature of God. He has always existed in this triune relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? God has always existed in community. Does that make sense? Do you understand it? I don't. But is it true? Yes. He's existed in community. So for you to say, for you to say, I don't need friends, you're really saying I'm not like God. And what does God say when he creates Adam? He says it's not good for man to be what? alone. It's not good for man to be alone. Now, loneliness isn't a sin because this is happening pre-fall, right? But God looks at Adam, says it's not good. And that just doesn't mean that, that he needed a wife, but we're made for relationships. You believe that? It's true. You're made for relationships. You're made for friendships. And so to say, I just don't need friends is a lie. It's just a lie. Because you're, you're, you're made for that, right? And, 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 you, and, and here's, the, here's the deal. Look at Ecclesiastes 4.12. I love this verse. This is a great verse. I hear this more than anything. You, people say, you say this all the time because I love the Bible. It's just good. Everything about it is just so good. Though one may be overpowered, like here's the enemy knows this. Without healthy friends in your life, the enemy will overpower you. Isolation will breed destruction. <laughs> just a matter of time, right? You live alone. You don't take this seriously, isolation will, will, will uh, breed destruction. Look at Ecclesiastes 4.12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. That's a great verse, right? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. You know, why can two defend themselves better than one? We can talk about that forever. Well, for, for, here's the deal. I'm, I'm, I'm just, Dakota's down here to my left. If Dakota's my friend, right? Yeah, I think so. I had to check in. You got to check in, right? Check in, make sure, make sure we're okay. But like, you know, if, if I'm with Dakota, like, and, and he, he, he's with me, then we can see 360 degrees, right? He's standing in my back. We can see all the way around every situation. See, without him, I, I can't see everything. I need some, I can't see everything. I don't see everything that's going on with me. I don't have just a per- perfect vision about the circumstances and situation in my life. So if I, I need other people, Right? So a cord of three strands, that's like having just these quality relationships coming together. That's this picture of a rope. One strand just snapped pretty easily. But when our lives are intertwined with, with other people who have wisdom and love God, that's great strength in our life. And you won't grow without it. Now, let me just say this. For those of you who say, you know, I, I'm just a person who doesn't need a lot of friends. Well, let me just tell you, you won't grow spiritually without them. You won't. Uh, it's impossible. That's how God built you. So we have to take this seriously. You know, we, we take some criticism from some here because we're so passionate about groups and, and people like, you talk about that all the time, right? You talk about that all the time. Well, I have found this out in ministry. People are saying that. People say that about, pre- they, they say you talk about something all the time. Well, some people say, well, he talks about money all the time or he talks about this all the time. Well, if I'm just known as a guy who talks about community all the time, I'll take that, right? Okay, you got me. You got me. Guilty. Because I just know how much I need it. 
right? I just know how much I need it. Greg's in my group, and, and man, two weeks ago on Zoom, I thought we had the greatest group we, we, we've had in years. Guys were opening up and being real about stuff that was going on. And, man, I left, and I'm driving home, and I am jacked up, right, because, because of what God's doing in other people's lives and how they're speaking into my life and encouraging me. Man, we need that, and we want that for you, all right? So here we go. We're, we're almost halfway there. Right? Then you get out to face the ice, or you guys are home. You can right, grab some breakfast. So you got to focus on quality, not quantity. Be one before you look for one. Does that make sense? Let's focus on that. No, no, number three, you got to commit to some tough coaching. Um, and I know that's kind of some maybe some man-centric language, and ladies are like, oh, I don't know that I follow that. But I, I, have, uh, I have thought about this for years. Um, you show me somebody who's who's great in in any 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 area of life. One of the things that you'll typically find is they are a person who can take some tough coaching. They're they're a person, who, and they're rare. But when somebody criticizes them, they don't go on the defensive and attack. They learn from it. It is very rare. It is very rare that people in our culture can take tough coaching, right? It's just rare. We don't like it, right? We just immediately, when somebody has the courage to share something that they see in my life that doesn't line up with Jesus, my tendency is to go on the attack about something in their life, right? But, it, but, but, but if you want to rebuild proper friendships, you've got to be willing to take some tough coaching. Look at Proverbs 27, 5, and 6. This is, this is a good verse, right? Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Now, if you're watching this and you live in the north, uh, and I'm, I'm talking about north of the Mason-Dixon line, you understand. This is what, this is what you understand better, better than southerners. Southerners are all about hidden love. Southerners will not be honest to your face most of the time, but as soon as you walk away, they'll say what they think about you right? We're sweet as, that's what people say, you know, I love the South. People are so sweet in the South. No, <laughs> they're, they're just sweet to your face. They're talking about you as soon as you walk away. That's the South, right? Is that, is that, is that your experience? Now, the North, people say, in the North, man, people are intense. They'll just tell you up front what's going on, right? I mean, they're at least courageous enough to just, just tell you about it. Like, wow, I don't like that. Well, that means you're from the South, right? Because you've got to learn to take some tough, tough coaching. Now, of course, we need to share the truth in love. And don't go out and say, hey, Pastor Brady said tough coaching, so I'm going to give some tough coaching to you today. We have to share the truth in love. We have to be willing to take some tough coaching in our life. Look at this. Better an open rebuke than hidden love. It would be better, I'm just picking on Dakota because he's here and I need some help today. And we, we pay him to be here. So um, it's easier. So... It would be better if he came up to me after the message and said, you know what, here's a couple things that just I don't think really connected today. Here's a couple things that I don't think really pointed people to Jesus. Or here's a couple things that I don't think, I don't think was really accurate as it was related to the Scripture than him saying, hey, great sermon, Pastor Brady. It's good. It was really good. You see, one is an open rebuke, and it's hard to hear but it will teach me, it will help me, right? And the other is just hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, right? And so there, who, is, who in your life, who in your life do you trust to, to, to bring about some hard coaching uh, in your life? Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses, right? 
Some of the people that we say, you know, they're, they're, they're close friends. They, they may be enemies. They're just multiplying kisses. They're not telling us what we really need to hear. Now, rebuilding, think about this this morning, and rebuilding friends, rebuilding friends. And this is a rebuilding year maybe, right? Does that make sense? Let's say 2021 is a rebuilding year. And one thing that needs to be rebuilt is my understanding of friendships, how important they are, and, 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 and how to have them. Rebuilding friends will take an investment of time. Does that make sense? You're, you're, if you're going to have some, some healthy friendships, a couple healthy friendships, it's going to take some time. It's, it's really going to take some time. Uh, it's going to take uh, trust, which is kind of a, a byproduct of time, but we begin to trust each other, trust what we see God doing in that person's life. It's going to take truth, the truth of God's Word, right? That's what a wise person does. They share the truth of God's Word with you, not just what I want to hear, but what God's Word has to say uh, to me. Um, and then it takes transparency. Watch this. Like inside of healthy, healthy friendships, it's sooner or later you've got to be honest. Someone's got to be honest with you or you've got to be honest with them. Uh, Friday night here, we were here with Man Church. Dr. Chip Dodd spoke. It was great. And he said something I've heard him say before. I've heard other people say before. He said, you know what? He said, we're all only as sick as our secrets. That's a pretty good word, isn't it? You and I, we're all only as sick as our secrets. And so I think it's in the context of, of a healthy friendship that we're able to be open and honest enough about what's really going on in our life. Because, listen, change will never happen in your life until you're just honest about that, where you're stuck. And, and inside, you can't be that way with everybody, but who are those few friends that really I can, I can be that way with? Now, let, let, let's, let's look at the fourth thing. And, man, this, is, uh, this to me is one of the most powerful verses in Proverbs, so practical and uh, if you have children, you have to teach this principle to your children. If you have grandchildren, you have to teach this principle to your grandchildren. Do you hear me? I mean, it is, it's, it's just a no-brainer. You cannot miss this one, right? This is, this is so important. Look at, look, at, look at Proverbs 13, 20. Here's the principle. We need to realize that friends will determine the quality and direction of our life. Let me say that to you again. You've got to realize if we're going to rebuild friends, why is this so important? Because they will determine the quality and direction of our life. You say, well, where are you getting that? From God's Word. Look at Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise, and you will become wise. What is a person of wisdom? A person of wisdom, we've said throughout this series, a person of wisdom is, is they know how to answer the questions of life with the truth of God's Word, right? A person of wisdom, think about it this way. A person of wisdom is a person uh, who lives today the way they would live the very last day of their life. Think about that. Can I just ask you this question, those of you watching online? How would you live if you knew it was the very last day of your life? Would it be different than the way you're living today? Then that could mean, nobody answered that, but that could mean that I'm living foolishly in some ways today, right? So walk with the wise and you'll become wise. That's a great promise. If you walk with people of wisdom, then the promise is you will grow in wisdom, but a companion of fools suffers harms. Let's break this down because this is really important. Here's, here, here's the first thing we need to see. Both our actions and our associations bring about consequences in our life. We think it's just our actions that bring associations, but but. This word says, the Scripture says, even our association, so I can, just, I can be around foolish people and I will suffer negative consequences from that. You need, you need to understand that. Well, I, wasn't, I hear, hear that all the time. Well, I wasn't doing anything. I was just, just, kind of, just kind of with them. Well, God's Word says that really that both your actions and your associations can bring about damage. So you gotta, you got to watch this because friends determine the quality and direction of your life, right? And we don't, listen to what I'm about to say. You'll push back on this a little bit. We don't make friends as much as friends make us. 
Can I say that to you again? Of course we make friends. That's not exactly my point. I'm just wanting you to see a different perspective. It's not so much that we make friends. What we really need to see is our friends make us because they're just this number one influencer. Like if you're under the age of 24, then the number one influencer is not your parents. It's your, it's your closest friends. It's a number two influencer for those over the age of 24. You're usually, look at this, you're usually the average of the five closest friends you have in your life. Does that make sense? You're in, in your life right now, you're, you're, your life is really the average of the five closest friends you have in, in, in your life. Now, it's just pretty, pretty, pretty raw. If you, if you were messed up last night, you know, you're high last night, you were high last night probably because four or five of your closest friends were high last night. I mean, if you were at man church, I was watching a group of uh, 20-somethings, young dudes sitting right over here to my left on, on Friday night. I was thinking about it. It's Friday night, here's a group of guys, kind of 20, 22, 23, 24. There's like five of them here. You know what? They were there because they had associations with other guys who wanted to be there, because your, your, your life's just going to be the sum total of the five closest people uh, in, in your life. Like, I'm, I'm always thinking about wanting to lose some weight. Like, I, I think, man, I'd just love to get healthier. I'd love to drop 30 pounds. And so I'm, I'm and, and don't send me any emails like everybody's all, I mean, I'm like the poster child for anybody who's doing some kind of diet thing or, or co- co- coaching. Everybody wants to get me because, hey, if I can get him to lose weight, that looks good, right? He hasn't been able to do it for years. But anyways, I read this statistic this week. It was, it was interesting. Uh, if you're going to lose weight, if your spouse loses weight first, you're 37% more likely to lose weight. If a sibling loses weight first, you're about 40% more likely to lose weight. If a close friend loses weight first, you are 57% more likely to lose, lose weight. So your friend's eating habits are a, a more of an indicator of your health than your closest family members, according to that statistic. Isn't that wild? Right? You know, I mean, that just says that, that, that there's so much influence they have. Craig Groeschel says it this way, you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Think that's true? That's true whether you're 18 or 68. Just a biblical principle. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And, and, and I, I want to say something a little bit different about this for just a second. Can I do that? Can I do that? For those of you who are here, can you just say yes? That would help. Yeah, all right, that's good. Good. Those of you at home, you're going to be hearing this all morning. It's real easy to just load us up with a lot of guilt as it relates to this, but I want to say something a little different that could be encouraging to you because this is a rebuilding year, right? Rebuilding year. You may just be one friend away from a closer walk with Jesus. You may be one friend away to really giving you some help inside your marriage that you've never had before. You may, be, you may be one friend away for a breakthrough with some anxiety or depression. You may be just one quality friend away to being able to be liberated from some addictive behavior in your life. Do you see that? I mean, we can look at it from a negative side, and we can see that, you know what, of course if I'm around these people, that's going to have negative implications. But if I was really to see this and really to believe this, and I was really to invite this wise person into my life and and live life with them, it could really change the trajectory of my life. You just may be one friend away from an amazing breakthrough in your life this year. You see that? That's super. Is that encouraging to you? That's really encouraging to me. If you walk with the wise, you will grow wise. That's a promise for you today. Now, now let's, let's look at the fifth thing, and then we're, we're going to close with this. You have to make sure to order your friendships. Like So, so what, what many people say here, here is, um, well, so, what, so I need to just get rid of these friends in my life? Am I still supposed to break up with all the non-wise people in my life? But no, here, here's another way to look at it. I'm, I want to kind of just, just be real practical with this in just a, just a second. Um, 
I, we're going to put up a slide here. I want to close with this. And if you've been here at New Vision before, uh, for a while, you might say, well, you've done this before. Yeah. I think we ought to do it every year. Uh, this are the concentric circles of friendship. Uh, I, I, I think, here it is. The Bible says if you walk with the wise, you will grow wise. What is a wise person? We have to define that. We have to define that person first. A wise person is someone who has a primary devotion to God. Can I tell you that? A wise person is someone who has a primary devotion to God and their actions reflected, or as Jesus says, there's evidence of that by their fruit in their life, right? So you've got to begin to identify the wise people in your life. They answer life questions with God's truth. That's a person of wisdom. When we walk with the wise, what is a wise person? Now, a foolish person, here's how you know them. They have a primary devotion to self, right? And, and sooner or later, their actions will really reflect that. Like, and, and you'll see some behavior in, in their life. They can be very disrespectful. They can be immoral, right? They're, they're constantly running other people down when that person's not there. And by the way, if you're in a relationship with somebody and that, that person is always talking negatively about somebody else, can I just tell you something that may not be super encouraging? When you're not with them, they probably do the same thing towards you because they're just showing some foolish behavior. If we walk with the wise, you will grow wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. So here's what we've got to do. We've got to order our relationships. I think in a very simplistic way, a very simplistic way, I think these are three types of relationships that we have in our life. The first is uh, concern. This is the first type. These are people I'm concerned about. This is the first layer of relationship. You should have people that you are concerned about in your life, right? Um, I think all of us here, another thing that we, we believe here at New Vision, that there ought to be somebody, and as you go relationship, remember that? We used to talk about that a lot too. Somebody in your life that doesn't know Jesus that you're praying for, concerned about, right? But, but th- these are people that probably are, 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 have some foolish behavior, so you're concerned about them. And so you might say, well, well, how do I live life with them? Do I just ignore them or avoid them? No, you don't do that. But, but you don't live life with them on their terms. You live life with them on your terms. Maybe the best way to illustrate this is when you were a kid, were there certain, uh, certain kids that your parents wouldn't let you go spend the night with? Can somebody help me kind of fast? Right? No. <laughs> hey, can I go over and spend? No, 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 no. But they're welcome to come here, right? You see that? They're welcome to come here. Now, that was, that was your parents' way of saying, listen, we're, we're concerned about them. We don't do life on their term. But as adults, we've got to figure that out because you have, you have, you have people that, you, that are in your circle of influence that need to be moved to your circle of concern, right? Does that make sense? This is where this thing really gets good because a circle of influence, those are those relationships with people who really have influence on you. And so if you have any foolish people in your circle of influence, it is going to be super damaging for you very, very quickly, right? So you've got to ask yourself that question. And I think that's some great homework for you today, right? Wherever you're watching this, God, would you show me through the power of your Holy, Holy Spirit do I have any people in my circle of influence that really need to be, to my, be moved to my circle of, of concern because I'm, I've been living life on their terms, and that's foolish. And then lastly is the circle of intimacy. Boy, this is a great day. I mean, it's Valentine's Day. Circle of intimacy is really reserved for that person that you share your life with. Now, here's the thing. You know, we don't, we don't share intimate things. We don't share these intimate things with someone that we haven't committed our life to. So, so, so the, another probing question is, do I have anybody in my circle of intimacy that I haven't yet committed my life to? Because that's going to end really, really badly. 
So you have to think about that circle of concern, circle of influence, and circle of intimacy. And you've got to order those relationships. Those people need to be in the right spots on that chart there. And that will help you so much in your life. Hey, let's make this year a rebuilding year. Let's rebuild some, let's rebuild some great friendships and they'll just make such an impact in our life spiritually. Because here's the thing, you're made for friends. Do you believe that? And friends will make you. Do you believe that? Let me say it to you again. You're made for friends and friends will make you. Let me close with one question. Those of you who are on Facebook, it's probably everybody except me. Too insecure to be on there, to be honest. What's the greatest friends request you ever got? Greatest friend request you ever got on Facebook? Just get that in your mind. Don't shout it out. That'd be weird. The greatest friend request, like somebody, oh, golly, I didn't even know they knew me. I hadn't talked to them forever. Oh, they're so popular. Or they've got such a great business. Or she, she's just such an amazing person. And she wants greatest friend request you ever got. You got it in your mind? Okay. Let me tell you one better. Look at John chapter 15, verse 12. This is Jesus. My command is this, to love each other as I've loved you. Jesus said, you need, you need to be, be a great friend first. How did Jesus love us? He, he gave himself up for us, right? Sacrificed for us. Greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for one's friends. And then listen to this next line, and you're my friends. Can you kind of... Can you carry that for just a moment? Can you carry that, that the creator of the universe, the one who spoke everything into existence, the one who suffered and died in your place, has called you friend, wants to be your friend? That's, that's, that's a pretty cool friend request. You're my friends if you do what I command. Well, what does he mean by that if you, if you do what he commands? First of all, is that we trust him completely as Savior and Lord, and then we desire to live a lifestyle of repentance and faith out of this trust that we have for Jesus. He says, I no longer call you servants because servants don't know their master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. It's a good place to say amen. I, like, I, don't know I, I don't know that I realized that for most of my life. Like I lived so much of my life in a lot of fear as it related to Jesus. I, I didn't fully realize that he wanted to be my he wants to be my friend. He's my Lord. He's my master, but he wants to be my friend. And he's a friend, the Scripture says, that sticks closer than a brother, right? Like, you got two brothers, and, and one messes with the other, and we just talked about that. It's on. Can I tell you something? You have one who sticks closer than a brother, and he is interceding for you right now. He is fighting for you right now. Does that make sense? Do you see that? Do you see the love that he has for you? So sometimes you'll hear people say, you know, I wish I grew up with an older brother. You have one who is closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. He's at the right hand of the Father, the place of power right now, and he is interceding for you. Mm. That's a friend. That's a friend. I no longer call you servants, Jesus says, because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I've made known to you. I'm not holding anything back. That might be the ultimate friend request. How could you not say yes to that? How could you not say yes and trust Christ, the one who paid everything to have this friendship with you?
and the one who wants to be closer than a brother to you and the one who wants to make known everything the Father has for you. Trust him. Jesus, thank you for this time. Help me to understand more and more that you've called me your friend, and there are days that I don't feel like that. But help me to believe what your word says, not just what I'm feeling in my mind and my heart. And Lord, teach us to rebuild relationships this year. Teach us to focus on quality, not just quantity. Show us what it means to be a friend. God, give us the courage to take some tough coaching sometimes. Jesus, remind us that friends determine quality and direction of our life. And Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit now, show us if we've got some friends in the wrong place in our life. And Father, for anybody here today who's never said yes to your friend request, could this be the most amazing day in their life as they say yes to you and become your friend? In Jesus' name, amen.